It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. Welcome back, everybody, to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. When Georgia's CAPS program moved from DFACS to DECAL, part of the restructuring was the addition of a family support component working alongside program administration and scholarship administration. When Commissioner Amy Jacobs arrived and charged the CAPS program with working with families to help them achieve self-sufficiency, beyond the need for assistance in paying for child care. Here to talk about the CAPS family support and something new, two-generation strategy of working both with children and their families are Donna Johnson and Shawnell Johnson, co-directors of CAPS Family Support. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, Rich. Glad to be here. Also known as Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes. how did that work out? Did y'all... Uh, when you were looking to fill the position, were you looking for a Johnson? I think so. No, <laughs> no, 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 we weren't, but we were glad to add another Johnson so that we could have the Johnson and Johnson component. I love it. Because we're smooth like a baby. That's right. So uh, how's it working? Are y'all doing pretty well yeah, together? Yeah, doing good. Yes, Great. we are. We are. Chanel's been on the podcast before, I think back when you were with Child Care Services, maybe. Yes. Um, Let's talk a little bit. We kind of like to delve into the background of folks that we're talking with in terms of how long you've been with DECAL, what you're doing before. So, Shana, we'll let you lead off. Yeah. So, I've been with DECAL for nine years. And when I first came onto the podcast, I was working in child care services. So, for three of those years, I was a child care services consultant. So, I did licensing inspections across the state. Um, and then my last six years before coming over to CAPS, I was the training manager um, in child care services. But I recently joined the CAPS team with Family Support in May of this year. Okay. Yeah. Put you on the spot. What interested you about this position? Uh, well, the whole concept around uh, serving the whole family. Uh, my background is in early childhood education, so majority of the work I've done has been all around um, supporting high quality for early childhood education. But um, knowing that parents can have the opportunity to reach self-sufficiency with the support of a scholarship just really heightened my, my awareness around mm -hmm. 2Gen and then also um, increased my interest. So really, um, this is a new a new chapter in my career because, um, like I said, my background is early ed. So I'm really excited to do more work around supporting the whole family. I'm also a new mom myself. Mm -hmm. And how old? She's three. She's, all right. So it feels new to me. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about your background, though, and your experience is you don't just picture a faceless, nameless client. You know what this looks like. Yeah, I know what it looks like um, as a mother. But um, really, uh, my journey in early childhood education started off as a teacher. So I mm. have firsthand experience in Georgia pre-K. I was a Georgia pre-K teacher in licensed child care. Um, I also was a child care director. So I'm very familiar with what the child care environment looks like, uh, what all the important strategies are to reach high quality. Um, but more recently, now being a mom and having a community of other mothers that I'm I'm working with and learning from, that there's this whole other aspect around what we can do to support the whole family. Mm -hmm. That's great. Donna, how about you? Well, I'm happy to tell you that yesterday I celebrated my third year anniversary at DECAL. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, yes. I um, came to DECAL from being at Georgia Department of Public Health, um, worked in the maternal and child health section. Um, and that area I served as the director of child health. So 
I had the pleasure of um, overseeing Babies Can't Wait, Children's Medical Services, Newborn Screening, Autism, all components of child health. Wow. And, um, you know, but the, the focus for me, even in that role, was to make certain that our families were at the forefront of whatever we put in, in place, any policies, any procedures that we were thinking about families mm-hmm. first. I can say this, knowing both of y'all, that you bring something very unusual to your roles, and that is you both have a heart for children and for families. We're going to get into how that's sort of progressing, mm-hmm. uh, even in the way we look at uh, the people that we serve, the clients that we serve. It's not just the child. It's the family connected yes. to the child, which is. really weighs in on how successful we are in a lot of things, whether that's health and safety, mm-hmm. pre-K, quality rated, whatever it might be. Yeah. So great to have you all here. Your backgrounds are fascinating. Thank Let's um, talk a little bit about CAPS. We know CAPS helps pay a portion of child care costs for families who qualify. We call those scholarships. That was a change when it moved over from DFACS, right? Yes. Um, With that, I'll I'll say this. When the program moved over, one of the the key components of the transition was to align the program with early childhood education. And initially, um, everything was about a certificate. Mm -hmm. Families needed to get their CAP certificate. But one of the things that the commissioner was very clear on was, let's make it fit with where we are. So um, one, a scholarship is something of value, and that's where we decided, you know, if we're going to talk about education, let's talk and speak the same language. Mm-hmm. So education and scholarships, every child yeah. it, thinks that's important. So. I agree. Donna, you nailed it. I mean, I when you think about um, post-secondary education, you, mm-hmm. you're awarded a scholarship. Right. You're not awarded a voucher or a certificate. It's a scholarship. Um, and you'll hear... A little bit about our story about mm-hmm. our partnerships with the post-secondary education world, but um, I agree that moving in the direction of a scholarship does say something differently about uh, what early education represents, but also just receiving that benefit of a scholarship also means something very differently to a family versus a the word certificate or mm-hmm. voucher. It's really looking at the family from a strength-based approach. So I know we use that internally. Are you guys seeing acceptance of that within our clients? Yes, I, I think so. You know, it's funny, before we um, we were in those early stages of transitioning the program over, and we had community meetings with families, and we told them that we were we would be issuing scholarships. And it's amazing to see the smiles that come on their face. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah. a scholarship. And I do believe our um, child care providers, they see the same value. And, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's really helping our families to understand that Education starts early, and whatever language you need to use to, to help you feel and understand where you're going will make a difference. And that's why the scholarship, the word scholarship, yeah. is so yeah, important. Super important. I think it's very important. And to change the culture, sometimes yes. you change the language. Yeah, you do. My mm-hmm. moment, like yours, with um, scholarships was I remember when I first started here, we had an infant toddler conference, mm-hmm. and the commissioner at that time, Bobby Cagle, was calling the family child care employees teachers Mm -hmm. and at the end of the meeting they were literally coming up this was in augusta and saying thank you for calling us teachers exactly we really you know appreciate that and it was true and so i think it might take a little time Mm -hmm. but i think it uh, will catch on and people will understand the value uh, associated with it um so how does family support work 
uh, and get involved with families that are served by CAPS. So once a family is determined eligible, they are assisted with a scholarship. And once that scholarship is awarded to them, every year we do an annual redetermination. We call it their annual renewal. And so a family support consultant is assigned to that family. And so if you notice, my language has changed too. If you um, know about the CAPS program long ago, we call them workers or maybe a case manager um, but now we call them consultants. It's very similar to other decal programs that use that same language because they're consulting the family. Mm -hmm. They're there to support that family uh, with identifying the needs, um, more particularly around child care, because that's why the family's coming through decal. Um, but the family support consultants do a variety of things. One is particularly helping them with that scholarship need, renewing it, making sure that they meet certain requirements to keep that scholarship but also helping them find high quality care. So identifying a child care provider that meets their needs as a family, whether if there's a, a particular transportation need or a need particularly for that, for that child in their development. Um, but they're also assisting them with resources. Sometimes our families come to us with a variety of needs, such as um, housing, food supply, or just wanting to know about another state agency to gain some resources, such as um, food stamps or mm -hmm. anything in the area that could support their whole family. So our consultants are equipped to utilize these resources to connect families to also help them with their goals. And that may mean um, helping a family um, decide if maybe going back to school is the right decision for them or talking with them about some career options. Mm -hmm. Our family support consultants are community-based, um, so they're spread across the state in every community. Um, we have six service regions in DECAL, and our family support consultants align with those service regions. About how many on your team? Right uh, approximately, say about 65, Donna. Mm -hmm. Well, 66. So we have yeah. um, 66, because that yeah. includes a critical response team, mm -hmm. which helps yeah. us when we have, you know, vacancies or, you know, some extra needs or things that we need to fill. That's great. I had mm -hmm. no idea there were yeah. that many. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. A lot now, of us. Give that some perspective for folks listening. We aim to serve around 50,000 children. Yes, 50,000 children uh, weekly. That is our goal to ensure that um, we're supporting. So family support person alongside all of that, that this pretty heavy caseload. Yes. <laughs> but again, it's focused around renewal. It's I around, guess. yes, it's focused on these families are already uh, determined eligible and they already have been awarded that scholarship. So every year they're determining their annual renewal to ensure that they're still eligible to receive that scholarship. And then we're just doing a really a check in, um, yeah. having some time together to say, you know, what are your goals as a family? What, how is your child doing in that child care program? Are, is your program in a is your child in a quality rated program? Um, and giving them some information about that child care program, their licensing inspections, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's really being a resource to that family, um, whether if that's family needs uh, in their household or particularly for that child. Yeah. I was going to say, to, to add to Chanel, um, also they do changes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's another key component yeah, yeah. of their work stream. So um, one thing we have is a high number of changes when summer comes along mm -hmm. or school starts back. So this team also helps to process all provider changes or it could be a change as it relates to adding a child or um, they're moving or you know different mm -hmm. things like that so right. they handle renewals mm -hmm. as well as changes what I love about that is you know state agencies let's just be honest can be a little daunting when you look at the big state agency mm -hmm. where can I get my question answered does anybody in there really care <laughs> this gives you an mm -hmm. opportunity to work yes. with the family 
Because there are always going to be those one-off questions. Yeah. And when you do, it's just like us in uh, organizations that we work with. Mm-hmm. You find someone who genuinely cares. You go, hey, let me ask you another thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that might yeah. be, as you said, about continuing their education, yeah. moving to another provider, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So that's great yeah. that you guys are there. Um, all right. So let's talk about two-generation continuum. What is that? And how did we decide that we were going to get on that train? Wow. So this is this gives me uh, goosebumps because this is my favorite topic. So two generation uh, continuum is based on uh, the understanding that in order to have um, for a family to be successful, you can't just look at the child's needs. You have to look at the needs of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, um, I guess in 2016, when we were transitioning the program, there were two things going on at that time. One was a transition of the program from um, DFACS to DECAL. And the other one was we had just received the uh, PACT grant. Mm-hmm. And the PACT grant was really about this two-generation model. And as we received support and continued to delve in and understand what it was about, it was at that moment that we realized, wait a minute, this is what the commissioner has been talking about, supporting the whole family. And that was her uh, directive Mm -hmm. was, you know, yes, you're going to support the parent and the child, but let's talk about the whole family. Because in many instances, when a family, let's say uh, a family has a grandparent in the home, and uh, if that grandparent has a healthcare challenge or may have any other thing going on, it can be a barrier for a family to move forward. Sure. So as a part of that, it's, it's encompassing the whole family. It could also be a teenager who may be, 16, 17 years old and decided, okay, I'm not doing school anymore, or I need to work, or whatever that that situation may be. So this is our way of trying to make certain that a family can reach self-sufficiency and um, be supported in a way that aligns with meeting all of their needs. So it's basically something we probably should have been doing all along. (laughs) Yes, it Um, makes sense. But it has... (laughs) Sort of come to the surface yeah. that um, that this is a model that we are now embracing. Yes, I, I do think that's the case. You know, I think for so long we have tried to isolate our our families mm-hmm. and to really focus in on okay, we need to help the child with their early childhood education. We need to make certain that their development is on track. And it's but a child who has a developmental concern truly impacts the whole family. Oh, yeah. And the same thing with a teenager or a grandparent. So it's really just making yeah. certain that we're supporting uh, 360 and yeah. giving that, that care that's needed. Well, and if we tried to define family right here, yeah. we could be here all we day. Could. <laughs> we could, because it, it yeah. looks different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you think about that extended family. I grew up in a home where my grandmother and great aunt mm-hmm basically yes. helped mm-hmm. raise me while my mom and dad were working. So, yeah, it, it has a huge impact. Yes. Um, going back to 2016, we mentioned that Georgia was selected as one of five states to receive the Parents and Child, or uh, the Parents and Children Thriving Together Pact Grant that yes. Don was talking about. That's from the National Governors Association and the Center for Law and Social Policy. Yes. In applying for this grant, we discovered some of our folks were already involved in two-generation work. Yes, yes. There are several states that are doing this work um, and and really recognizing that um, 
it, it's it's not just in child care. It's happening in the human and social services area. It's happening in TANF. It's happening in um, you know family and children services. Mm-hmm. And different states are focusing on different components. Right. Um, but yes, we have um, there. As you mentioned, there were five states um, who received who received the grant. And through that work, um, we were able to really build on our community work and to try to figure out what's happening in our local communities around the two-generational approach to serving mm-hmm. families. And it really helped to open the doors for us to, to have some intentional conversations and understand um, that we have this work not only happening in other states, but already in Georgia. Um, the interesting thing is most people didn't call it two-gen. Mm-hmm. They just called mm-hmm. it supporting families. Right. And that's, you know, really the same thing, but we just now have a nice name to tie it up with the bow. and Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I know the Ascend Aspen Institute mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. most programs are either parent-focused or child-focused. And two gen really brings together all of this to say yes. we're going to serve the whole family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, as, you know, we think about the serving the whole family, um, it's really looking at who makes up the family, uh, particularly if we are looking at it through the lens of decal, what children are being served and what type of services are they utilizing? Are they in licensed child care? Is that program quality rated? Is that child needed, needing Georgia pre-K, any early intervention services? Um, totally looking at that whole child's uh, basically experience throughout early childhood education, birth through five, but also recognizing that that family also has needs, mm-hmm. whether if that is a mom going back to school or if that's a dad for the first time taking a step out in a different career or if this family is just experiencing a really difficult time and they're experiencing a loss a loss of home or a loss of a shortage in food it's really looking at all policies available that serves both the family so whether it's the parents or other other members in the household as well as that child and looking at services that can align and um, where we can measure the outcomes both for families and uh, for the family and for the children that are in the home. Um, so I think it really is, I, as, as we're talking about this, it seems so common sense. <laughs> um, but many times when you're looking at um, implementing programs and strategies and looking at funding, they do uh, have the tendency to align in one particular area, which is either child-focused or parent-focused. But the beautiful part about 2Gen and it having uh, national reach and really is a buzzword right now, mm-hmm. like you can say 2Gen just about in any state. <laughs> and they're like, what's your work? What are you doing with that? Yeah. Um, I think it is bringing together those common principles around serving that whole entire family and looking at all the needs. Because we also know that even though that child is in a high quality environment and they're getting all the early intervention services, if they're coming back home in an environment where they're not sure if they're going to have home security or food security, or if that that mother or father or grandparent is having difficulty maintaining employment, um, it can impact that child's early learning experiences. So it's all tied together. We want that child to be successful both at school and also when they come back home in their communities. Mm -hmm. It's also about empowering the community. What I love about DECAL is that we do have service regions that are across the state that are locally based in the communities because what we know best is that local communities know what's in their community and with our family support consultants, if there's a need for a particular family, and we've seen this happen um, in, in several circumstances where that family, for whatever reason, is displaced and they're looking for shelter or they're looking for, you know, clothing that because that consultant is locally based, they know the organizations in that community and can connect that family. Right. You know, it's interesting, the reach that we have now, both through CAPS 
uh, child care services, pre-K, those have got nutrition. Those have been sort of established for a while. But on top of that, you know, we've got these um, community education coordinators yes. now. Mm-hmm. We've got family ambassadors through, yes. mm-hmm. uh, you know, through DECAL. So uh, quality early childhood education looks a little different in Tifton, Georgia, than it does in Blue Ridge, Georgia, or Brunswick, or Conyers, or wherever it might be. And I think now we're in such a better position to really view that yes. uh, from a local level because yes. it's probably one of the most local issues you can mm-hmm. find. I mean, you don't look at it from a statewide basis. You're going to a child care program near you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So that's important. Yeah. Who are some of our partners? I know there's some obvious ones that come to yes. mind. You've mentioned a few, but who are some of our yes. two gen partners? So um, one of our partners um, that we're working with is the Technical College Systems of Georgia, as well as University Systems of Georgia. Um, you know, it's interesting because DECAL has an education base. Mm-hmm. You know, that's our core at the core. Um, Partnering with TCSG and USG has given us the opportunity to help our families uh, move forward by connecting them to uh, the HOPE grants and some other career opportunities and the adult education program. Um, one of the things, I was at a, a conference just recently for the uh, the Work Investment Opportunity Act, WIOA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was at the, they call it WorkSource in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I was at this conference, and the one thing that they mentioned that really just resonated with me was they talked about, um, you know, our unemployment rate is, is doing really well, you know, but there's the underemployed. Mm-hmm. And those are our families that are working but they're not moving moving forward in a way that can help them really reach some of their hopes and dreams and really, you know, reach that state of self-sufficiency. Right. So with TCSG, it gives us the opportunity to tell them about, you know, going back to school, uh, the HOPE Career Grants, and talk to them about if you don't have your GED, you know, we can connect you with TCSG or we can connect you with these programs. There are apprenticeship programs. There are all these opportunities that can really help you reach that place where you don't need caps. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to help our families where they don't need us. Right. We mm-hmm. want them to say, and we do have that happen, mm-hmm. to say, thank you, but I don't need caps anymore. Wow. What a moment that would yeah. be. It, yeah, it's really nice when we yeah. get those calls. It's like, yeah. I'm good. But again, it's changing the culture. The it perception. is. This is not a lifetime yeah. thing. It yeah. is. I mean, you know, you think mm-hmm. about some of the careers that um, our parents have, and, and they're doing the best they can. Absolutely. But they really want to move forward and, and move to the place. They don't want to. Right. They don't want caps. I mean, they yeah. want to mm-hmm. say, look, I'm good. Right. Yeah. It's great to have. If it's you need me it, if you right. need it. Now, the um, associate's degree mm-hmm. priority group that we have, that's something fairly new. It is. That's too gen related. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So mm-hmm. the associate's degree um, was, it, it came out of this desire to help our families move forward. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, initial, when I first started, it was about certificates or vocational careers. And, and those are great and wonderful, and they really serve a wonderful purpose. But we had a lot of parents who really wanted to get their associate's degree. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after a lot of research and a lot of looking at how this would impact us, we decided that this was the best way for us to help really move the needle for our families. Mm -hmm. And we moved to having an associate's degree as an activity uh, to help families meet an activity requirement, which is really nice. And then Mm -hmm. really made a lot of families smile to know that, you know, I'm not just 
I, I have this opportunity. Yeah. There's a lot of research out there, too, about the return on investment. Mm. That mm. once a family achieves a higher education, whether that's associate's degree or beyond, that the income level that they're bringing into the family is a return on the investment on the whole family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to know that we can support that the income level is going to increase once that mm-hmm. family achieves a higher level of education. Right. Whether it's GED mm-hmm. or exactly. an associate's yeah. degree, yeah. they're locked. They, there are they lots can't. of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, there are studies that show that, you know, and, and this, this seems so minor to some, but a $3,000 increase in a family's income has such a major impact mm. on what happens. Mm-hmm. And so we have the opportunity. Um, one of the things we found was um, when our families are, when they have young children, we find that there's something that kind of happens to your brain. You know, it's like I have a new child and I'm, I'm thinking about I want the best for them. I right. want them to have better than what I have. And so we have the opportunity. We are seizing that opportunity by helping them to think about education, to think about other apprenticeships or other career opportunities for them. And when they say, yeah, right, we can come back and go, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. we have the (laughs) answer. And and we not only have it, but we have a partnership with Mm -hmm. TCSG that we can move you towards getting there and we can make a very intentional connection. Right. Connecting yeah. the dots. Yes. We're doing yeah. it. Yes. Yep. I know some of the things we've done early on uh, have included adding discounts for families that mm-hmm. select quality rated, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. capping the family fee at 7% of income. We mentioned the associate's yes. degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were saying, uh, Donna, before we started recording today, that also increasing that um, uh, 85% from the 50% in requirement. Mm -hmm. Explain that a little bit. We've increased that to 85%. Yes. So um, when I first started, one of the things we had was families in order to be eligible had to be at 50% below the state median income. Okay. Um, And what we found was, so it was 50% in and then the exit threshold was also 50%. Mm -hmm. So if a family had an opportunity to get a 50 cent raise, that potentially could kick them out of the CAPS program. So what we found is families were turning down those opportunities. Well, that does not sound like a two-generational approach to helping families, right? Right. So we um, made a significant change, and we made our exit threshold at 85%. So what that equates to is... A family of four, this is on average, about a family of four is about 38,000. That's the 50%. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, about our numbers. To qualify. To qualify, Get to come caps. in. And then now, so it used to be 38 and 38 out. If you made over 30, if you made 39, you're in trouble. So you were encouraged to <laughs> stay stagnant. There you basically. go. Okay. There you go. And so now it's moved to 85, so that's about 60. 64,000. Yeah. So you just think about what can you imagine yeah. going from 38 to 64,000? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a that's a game yeah. changer in lives. Yeah. That's really. totally like embracing the whole two gen framework because mm-hmm. the two gen framework looks at like how do you put policies in place that also helps the family reach self-sufficiency. So like what Donna just described, I can imagine like a family who says you know what, I I just got a raise, but I almost don't want to take this raise mm-hmm. because if I lose my childcare scholarship, 
I also cannot afford for my child to stay at that high quality child care mm-hmm. provider. Right. So I'm going to turn that raise down and so I can keep my scholarship and stay at the provider of my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some research out there that's a whole terminology that I've learned recently here in CAPS, and that's called the cliff effect. Mm-hmm. And we don't want families to experience that. We don't mm-hmm. want families to feel like they have to turn down an opportunity, whether if that's education or in their career, mm-hmm. so that they don't experience a level of self-sufficiency in supporting their family and feeling like they're going to fall off this right. cliff right. once they reach this peak. Oh, it kills me to think <laughs> that they would be called into an office, offered an opportunity <laughs> exactly. for uh, advancement in their career, so mm-hmm. focused on child care mm-hmm. that they couldn't do exactly. that. So that's a huge step. And a lot of yeah. families, it's it's a reality for them. Right. It really is. I mean, who wants to think yeah. I get, you know, a $10 raise or whatever it is, but now you just told me I have to now incur the cost in child care. It's right. I, okay, I'm going to weigh my two and I think yeah. I'll stay where well, I am. Now they don't that. have that up. That is a problem. They right. can move forward. That's yeah. fantastic. Uh, we're relatively new at the 2 Gen work, but already receiving some national recognition. I know you guys were at a conference where the <laughs> Institute for Women's Policy Research was presenting on 2 Gen work, and lo and behold, Georgia was recognized. (laughs) Yeah, so we were recognized in this research. um, And so everything that we're talking about today with our partnership with TCSG is um, highlighted in this article. Um, It really gets into the heart of the local level of us training our frontline staff. I think the beauty of this partnership is that our frontline staff have been connected with the frontline staff of TCSG. Mm-hmm. So they're working on their partnership. So mm-hmm. oftentimes when you hear a partnership, I know on a state government level, you're thinking it's the commissioners coming together mm-hmm. or the director levels coming together. But we've been very intentional to ensure our frontline staff across agencies are connected so they can pick up that phone or send that email to that person who's in their local neighborhood and say, hey, I have a family who's wanting to go back to school in our technical college mm-hmm. that's in our community. So that article really just captures the essence of our local work. Um, it also talks about um, some other grant opportunities that we recently received through our Quality Innovations and Partnership Division. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it was really an amazing opportunity to even be at the conference and not even know that this article was going to be released and Mm -hmm. our commissioners quoted throughout the article. Right. I remember that because I think you texted me (laughs) from the auditorium (laughs) with a link for the article saying that people need to see this. this Georgia has gotten a lot of attention lately about the work that we're doing and I think um, one of the things that's really put us in the forefront is it's rare for child care and post-secondary to work together. Right. And I think that's really what's um, you know, make people zone in on what, what what's happening there. Mm-hmm. How can you do this? Um, we have a, another really unique opportunity where we have a partnership with Nanograms, which is uh, a nonprofit organization in which the um, founder of of the of the nonprofit she had her grandmother supported her while she was in school, and she wanted to give back. Mm. So she's a part of our TCSG partnership in that now she's giving, um, offering for family, for single mothers who are attending technical college, $50 a week to pay the difference between what CAPS pays and what, you know, maybe the provide the child Mm -hmm. care, the cost of child care. Right. And it's so, it's such a really nice, it is the perfect um, private 
you know, mm-hmm. public-private mm-hmm. partnership, yeah. and it's really nice for us to come Mana together. Grants. Yes. Nana grants. Nana grants. Uh-huh. Stevens, yes. Yeah, it's but- really nice. She's been a, a great partner with us, and we're looking for other partners. We're looking to partner with TANF. We're looking to partner with SNAP. We're, we're just trying to figure out. We're doing a yeah. lot of family yeah. center coaching, so we're really trying to figure out how we can do this together because this isn't just about us. We right. all serve the same families. You guys have done some great work. Um, Chanel, you were talking about frontline employees. I know a lot of the training, uh, whenever you guys have an opportunity, mm-hmm. is to bring all these folks oh, together yeah. Yeah. and to see them brainstorm and, yes. again, connect the dots of the worlds that they operate mm-hmm. in. But, again, it's frontline. Front this is kind of like that yeah. expression, it's not what you know, it's who you who know. You know? <laughs> well, our folks now know a lot of people that yeah. they can connect. Yeah, and definitely empowering our frontline staff to be equipped to know who to who to contact, what resources are even available. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've also done some training through another partnership with the Kellogg Foundation Mm -hmm. through the Prosperity Agenda. We received um, a grant to have training for our family support managers and also some of our scholarship administration managers on family-centered coaching. And it's a um, wonderful resource that has so much good content in it about how to serve the whole family, like about how to do motivational interviewing, goal setting with families. It talks about like how to empower them and making executive decisions for their own behavioral economics of their family. Um, Has a lot of information about how to look through the lens of a non-biased perspective, like to put aside your bias as you're helping a family. So we're even Mm -hmm. like receiving all this great training and this training found us it wasn't something that like we were out there researching it literally came to us as a gift right um, and we're utilizing it and we're really hoping that we can embrace it and share it with the rest of our decal divisions and family i love it mm-hmm. so if you're out there and you belong to a foundation and you'd yes. like two creative <laughs> folks you could work with Johnson and Johnson are uh, your contacts. We're almost out of time. I did want to ask, I know our Mm -hmm. focus in 2020 is this CAPS quality rated deadline that's fast approaching. What role is family support uh, playing in meeting that deadline? Yeah, so we're full speed ahead in 2020. So um, the CAPS and the Quality Innovation and Partnership Division has put together a very uh, detailed communication plan to both child care providers and families. Our family support consultants are helping families determine if their program is participating in quality rated. Mm. And we're hoping that programs will achieve a star rating by the end of 2020. Right now, we have 67% of children who have a CAP scholarship already being received, receiving care at a quality rated program. So that equates to 46,915 children already being served in quality rated who have a scholarship. Um, so I feel like we're very close to meeting this goal. We have to be very intentional about outreaching to families. There's still families that are still not fully clear about the role of quality rated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a lot of conversations around ensuring that we have equal access across the state, whether if it's rural or urban. Um, so our family support consultants will help families do the research on what's available in their community and if needed, move that scholarship. Um, we do have two milestones that we put in place in policy. We want um, all families to be in a quality rate of care by the end of 2020. But um, as of May 1st, 20. 
excuse me, May 1st, 2020, um, we're hoping that all child care programs have signed up for a slot right. to become observed to earn their star rating. Um, and for whatever reason, if they decide not to participate and opt out, those families will have to move to a quality rated program beginning um, January 1st, 2021 at the time of their annual renewal. Right. So in other words, uh, if providers decide for whatever reason not to engage in quality rated, we are going to allow those families to stay at those programs. But in 2021, they will have to transition to high quality care. But we're really hoping all our providers will engage and get on board. It's a really great program. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, a lot of good outcomes happen both for the children and families who are receiving care at those right. programs. Great that you guys are in touch and helping them understand that, for one thing, because it is a little complicated. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's great. Listen, this is great information. Um, we want to have you guys back. Keep us posted on the 2Gen progress and more partnerships as they uh, arrive. If folks want more information on CAPS Family Support, where can they go? They can go to the caps.decal.ga.gov website, and um, they will get information about the work that we're doing around 2Gen and supporting families. Lots of information there. You can go to our website at uh, decal.ga.gov. We've still got the webinar posted there for the Mm -hmm. CAPS Quality Rated 2020 deadline if you'd like more information on that. All right, Johnson and Johnson, <laughs> Donna and Chanel, thanks for being with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. We really appreciate it. Now your questions from the water cooler. My name is Maya with Quip, and my question for Commissioner Jacobs is, how many child care providers need to be quality rated by the 2020 deadline? Thanks, Maya. So we do have a big deadline coming up, December 31st of 2020. So all providers who receive CAPS and who serve CAPS children with CAPS scholarships must be quality rated by December 31st of 2020 to continue to serve those um, those children that receive CAPS. And we're making really good progress. I want to say there's just over 3,000 providers right now that receive CAPS. Um, many of them are already rated. I think we have about 1,100 um, that we need to get rated that do receive caps that need to be quality rated by December 31st of 2020 but we are well on our way and um, over half of them have already signed up and are already slated to receive their assessment and get that star rating. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to our question this week. Email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. What grant did Georgia receive in 2016 from the National Governors Association and the Center for Law and Social Policy? What grant did Georgia receive in 2016 from the National Governors Association and the Center for Law and Social Policy? Answer that correctly. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers. You'll win the prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.